0: Hi, I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, June 30th. On this holiday weekend, we hope people make it to where they want to be, especially those with flight flight plans. Uh, It's been a nightmare week for United Airlines, especially at DIA, with cancellations and delays blamed on all sorts of reasons. And on top of that, DIA expects 500,000 travelers this weekend, 12% more than this time last year. So if you're watching during a delay at the airport, we welcome you to Colorado Inside Out. Let me get right to our panel. Introduce everybody to everybody. We have Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, along with Ed Sealever, VP of Strategic Initiatives and editor of the Sum and Substance at the Colorado Chamber of Commerce, Adam Berg, VP of Government Affairs at the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce, and also Amber McReynolds, one of the country's leading experts on elections and administration following her time as the director of elections for Denver, and Amber is also currently U.S. Postal Service Board of Governors. Thank you all for joining us. We know it is the end of June because the U.S. Supreme Court is handing down decisions, including a landmark decision uh, overturning some longstanding precedents. And we also have cases here in Colorado. Patty, let's start with you.
1: Well, there are a couple of cases we've been following really closely. One is the 303 wedding website, and that decision hadn't come down by the end of Thursday. But the one that did come down earlier this week is about stalking and harassment. It follows a Denver case where a longtime musician in Denver did very well, Coles Whalen, had been harassed horribly online by an abuser, I would say, who he scared her to death. He would do millions. I mean, literally, it was millions of messages that would be like, die, bitch. And he was arrested. He went to jail for stalking and harassment and the Supreme Court threw that out saying that because it was online it did not qualify as true threats. Well I say you talk to this woman and she will say she felt so threatened she had to give up her career. It's really tricky. It's going to have to go back to Colorado. They'll have to redefine this statute. Um, you want to save free speech. I mean you want people to be able to say nasty things as they do to all of us online but you also want to be sure people can feel safe. So. It's going to be a really, really tricky issue. But you have this, the legislators this year who they could say, we're going to ban people who we don't like from our personal accounts. That does not jibe with this decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. So Colorado really has to consider where they're going with mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Ed?
2: I want to talk about a case that came down uh, about a week ago in which the Navajo Nation had asked the Supreme Court uh, to side with it and be able to say, uh, here, we're going to help you secure water rights, we're going to help you secure water planning. This was a case that Colorado, as well as several other states and the federal government opposed them on. And the reason simply is this, water planning is a disaster already. Anybody who followed the negotiations between the seven Colorado River Basin states uh, found out how difficult it was and how close as we were, to the federal government stepping in saying, we're going to make arbitrary cuts that are going to affect, say, your ability to get agricultural water or outdoor recreation water. This was a case where the states, Colorado included, felt that if the Navajo Nation could get these rights, so could every other nation. And then you have this hodgepodge of people looking to divvy up the same water rights. And frankly, we get nowhere. The fact is, the water is the lifeblood of the West. And people need to think about how we're going to use it and ensure we have the water we need to continue doing things like allowing companies to operate on the rivers or to build homes to address our massive housing shortage. Uh, This was a case that was fairly important in that. Mm -hmm. Adam.
3: Yeah, it, it feels like we have a little bit of deja vu. Uh, it was just this week last year when the court chose to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, and again, on Thursday of this week, taking up a big case dealing with uh, race-conscious admissions processes or affirmative action, uh, the court deciding a case coming from Harvard and UNC and Chapel Hill to essentially overturn uh, 40 years of case law around affirmative action and using race as a determinant for admission. Uh, I think what's interesting here, I was reading a Gallup poll today, and 538 had some coverage about this that uh, depending on how you frame the issue, uh, whether you talk about the end goals of, of allowing more sort of minority students into college. Uh, changes Americans' opinions about what actually comes out of this and their, their view of affirmative action. So I'll be curious to see sort of the, the response from the American public. We've already seen sort of more public officials coming forward talking about this case, but uh, certainly more to come, I would imagine.
0: I would agree as well. And, Amber, with all your work on elections, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on the Supreme Court's decision this week regarding who is in charge of running federal elections.
4: Yeah, it's it's the Moore v. Harper uh, case, and it, it dealt with what's known as the independent state legislative theory. And. The sort of extreme view of that is that, uh, in this case, involved North Carolina again. But they, basically, the uh, the view on, on the extreme side is that state legislatures can do whatever they want in terms of gerrymandering and and basically ignore the will of the people in terms of being fairly represented. And that could have that type of extreme view could be expanded to other things like ignoring the votes of the people with regards to a presidential election and submitting uh, a state's own view of that. So the the court rejected the extreme view. But they didn't go so far as to create complete clarity. uh, And and they instead maintained what's known as the Bush v. Gore perspective, which is a minimalist view of what states have in terms of responsibility. So, yes, it's a win for kind of uh, going after the extreme view. But there's still a lot of vagueness that still exists. And and there's definitely concern amongst the election official community and, and folks that pay attention to this about any lack of clarity or vagueness
1: going into 2024. With your experience with the post office, if Billy Crowderman had mm-hmm. sent a note through the mail, died, could he have been charged i mean is that a true threat
4: it it depends on like the postal inspection service may look at that it also depends on the, the legal authorities at the local level and where it came from and how they could track it but it it, it definitely depends on the particular circumstances
0: i'm glad you asked that it's just really scary like how can stocking be controlled
4: you know
1: Well, we did a story this week about a woman in Jefferson County who was stalked by her ex-boyfriend. He was let out of jail repeatedly, and she was murdered. And you've got to take these seriously. We think domestic violence systems now work in this country, but they still fall through the cracks. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. All right, Governor Polis has had a very busy week. On Monday, he spoke before the 2023 Colorado Municipal League Conference, and Ed continued to talk about affordable housing.
2: Yes, I wrote when his big affordable housing plan died on the calendar on the last day of the Senate, um, this session, uh, that he um, he now had eight months to gather people back together to reformulate this and to restart the discussions. I don't think anyone in the Municipal League thought this was the way to restart the discussion, with the governor basically coming out saying, we're going to move forward on this, and if you all don't like it, some of you can break away and come with me against the interests of your organization. It was... um, It was, I guess, not that shocking to those of us who have covered Polis. Polis believes what he believes, and he will double down on his beliefs despite any opposition to him. But the problem with this is that everybody acknowledges we need to find an affordable housing solution. Uh, And Polis has decided, as I think a lot of people in theory will say, uh, that we need to build more housing to bring down the overall cost of housing. This was not the way to start finding the middle ground. And if we don't find some solution in the interim here, it's very doubtful, especially given that I heard that 12 senators from the Democrats were ready to reject Polis' very overlapping plan uh, that we're gonna be able to move forward in 2024, as we should.
0: Okay. All right, Adam, you are at the Western Governors' Conference, which Governor Polis hosted in Boulder this week as well.
3: He did, yeah, and I do wanna touch on something Ed said. Uh, Also, from our perspective, surprising. Given how things sort of ended at the end of session, where he was uh, gutted in the, in the Senate by his own party telling him we're not going to get this done this year, to sort of stick to the hard line where we left off last year, it just feels like we're not making progress. A um, lot of time, obviously, until the next session, but uh, just makes me curious about how these conversations go. Uh, touching on, on WGA, or Western Governors Association, this week in Boulder, uh, 22 westernmost Uh, U.S. states and territories participating in this. Lots of talk of water, lots of talk of geothermal, uh, and trying to find solutions for the West. I think the most interesting thing to come out of this so far, uh, the state of Wyoming and the state of Colorado this week announced a MOU regarding direct air capture activity and development. So two very different states uh, trying to work together to find solutions to uh, wildfire impact and air quality we see across the West. Uh makes me hopeful, but again, as Ed touched on earlier, uh, no real solution in terms of water coming from from these conversations. A lot of dialogue about water being an issue. Uh, now, obviously, in Colorado, we are, are 3% of the state still in a drought now, which might slow some of these conversations compared to, to where we were. So keep your eye on, on water as we head into the summer.
0: Okay. And, Amber, on Thursday, Governor Polis, along with Secretary of State Griswold and leaders of the Democratic and Republican parties, announced... That is it March 5th,
4: 2024 Mm -hmm. will be Colorado's presidential primary day. That's right. And Colorado joins uh, a Super Tuesday. So that'll be a Super Tuesday um, day. And, you know, the significance of this is, number one, we have the new primary law that was put in place prior to 2020. So unaffiliated voters, which are by far the biggest uh, block of voters in the state, will get both a Republican and Democratic primary ballot. They can only return one, um, but the choices for both will be in there. Um, And then also when you're on Super Tuesday and you're in an earlier state like that, you get far more attention from the president uh, uh, election campaign. So there'll be a lot more visits. We'll see, you know, being a part of that day, it, it, it draws more attention. We'll see more ads, all those sorts of things.
0: And I didn't realize, you told me, that the governor is the one who decides when our elections are.
4: The, for the presidential primary, the date gets set uh, ahead of, ahead of um, and usually there's a period of time where it has to be set so that election officials can prepare. Because they weren't always a Super Tuesday. No, and, and this all came about after the primary reform that was that was voted on by the voters. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Patty. Well, sadly, Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, who said he was trying to get on the Colorado presidential ballot, did not make it. So come March 5th, we will not be able... I guess you could write in Joe Exotic. But, <laughs> shh, shh. Uh, don't that. I think our audience will <laughs> all be busy writing in Joe Exotic. But I happened to just be in Montana last week, and... When you look at Wyoming cooperating with Colorado on the air plan, it's so fascinating because Montana right now is a flashpoint with the transgender legislator who's not allowed to be seated. With chill teenagers suing over climate change, it's a really interesting state right now. And I don't think their governor actually made it to the show. Did he? I think that's right. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't come. Montana's not playing nicely with others. They also don't celebrate Juneteenth. Uh, but. What's also interesting is Polis, who does know how to play to certain crowds, went to the Psychedelic Science event, where he was one of the keynote speakers in the Welcome, and we are now going to be the forefront of Psychedelic Science, if not, say, affordable housing. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) All right, plans are in the works in many different areas to make Colorado better. And Adam, this week Colorado learned it is receiving, what is it, $826 million to make more homes accessible to high-speed internet.
3: Yeah, this is a a huge deal. It actually comes from uh, $42.5 billion uh, of federal money being spent out across the country. Um, And what we're talking about here in Colorado, so 90% of Coloradans already have access to to high-speed broadband and these sorts of things. This is trying through grants to make up for the percentage of Coloradans who don't currently have broadband access. And I can tell you from our perspective, uh, this is a big deal. That's over 190,000 households. Uh, Right now, we're having trouble accessing the internet, about 10% of us. So getting them up to speed for job opportunities, for staying up to date with the latest information for education purposes is a big deal. And we know that broadband is the future. Uh, The more we can connect our communities across Colorado, uh, the better certainly for all of us.
0: Um, speaking of Polis again, he announced 27 million dollars in grants to create a talent development pipeline to get more jobs filled in Colorado. And Amber, with your work with the Postal Service, I imagine this is something that comes to mind because I always feel like USPS is always hiring, always looking for employees.
4: That's right, we are, and we have a, under the law, and, and this one of the oldest agencies within the federal government, um, we have a requirement to provide universal service to every community in the country. So it's the largest network of retail locations in the world like by far and we right now and this actually relates to affordable housing um, we have issues uh, hiring in a number of the mountain communities in Colorado which impacts service it's expensive to live in places like Crested Butte and Aspen and, and even Salida has had some struggles and so uh, for a lot of the viewers that feel that service um, impact, a lot of the reason is because we haven't been able to fill a lot of the positions and don't even have people applying for it because it's too expensive to live in some of these areas. So this is, this is really important for all industries, for all businesses, for all agencies that serve the public um, to create and continue to fuel the pipeline of, of our, our very important workforce.
1: We need to get these jobs to keep our economy going, Patty. True, true, and maybe some of the broadband ones will be jobs too. That is a good move just to try to bridge the rural-urban divide because you will be in parts of Colorado where people are irritated they can't get cell service or they can't get Wi-Fi. Meanwhile, what would it be like if you were the resident trying to study? with you or a kid during the pandemic. So that's a big move. Workforce development is good. What concerns me a lot are some of these programs that have come in, the people who have gotten a lot of, pan- the programs that have gotten a lot of pandemic money, are they planning for what to do once that money is gone? There are great programs that have come in, but are they gonna be sustainable? Do they have the funds to keep going? And it's not just government programs or programs funded by the government. It's gonna be all the small businesses that have taken in that money too. So I think we've got some rough times ahead Mm -hmm. with small businesses. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it could be. Uh, Ed, this week you wrote about how Governor Polis is putting oil and gas industry on notice regarding their water usage.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. This was an interesting law that uh, kind of flew under the radar at the legislature. Um, Essentially, the idea is that uh, folks want oil and gas to use less fresh water. Oil and gas only uses 1% of the fresh water used in the state, Um, but it is essentially a one-time use where they're putting it into the well, they're Mm -hmm. getting it out, and it's not going back and, and being used for anything else like ag often does. Um, and what came out of this is a real consensus driven idea that oil and gas has said, we also want to use more recycled water. In fact, actually, on the western slope of the Peance Basin, some of those wells are 90% recycled water uh, because of various infrastructure concerns. It's not as true here in the Denver Julesburg Basin. Um, but they said, we don't want to be given arbitrary goals by legislators. And so, what came out of this is the creation of what's called a freshwater consortium, uh, or excuse me, a produced water consortium, where experts in using this produced water and taking the water that goes into well and figure out how it can be recycled and reused are going to get together and by the end of 2024 recommend a plan forward uh, for oil and gas to be able to use more recycled water. In an age when we constantly talk about oil and gas and we talk about water and the word fighting is the most common word we use with it, this was a consensus driven solution and hopefully it really sets the stage for some future discussions on oil and gas and conservation because there have not been a lot of consensus consensus in the way that ideas were dropped on their lap and told, you do this now.
0: Consensus. We like that word. Very good. Thank you for our last topic tonight. Tomorrow, July the 1st, is the day when we have a new fiscal year starting for the state government here in Colorado, and also new laws take effect across the state as well. Um, I will have you guys talk about various laws that are, are going to be norm, the
4: norm now. Amber. One of the bills that was worked on was to deal with threats against election officials because we've seen this massive increase since 2020, uh, folks that are, that are following misinformation and being told and misled bad info about elections because of their uh, person that they supported lost um, has resulted in a number of threats to election officials. And, and so uh, there, there was a, a law put in place that will help strengthen protections for those election officials. And it's very important for our election administration process and the critical infrastructure that is our voting systems for,
1: for our workers to be protected. It is important for them to be safe. They do such important work. Patty? Well, two things that could have been laws but are not going to be, we're not seeing an affordable housing law go into effect. We're not really seeing the discussions that were going to make everyone happy when it fell in the legislature. And also now we're going into a vote in November that people will certainly be cranky about over HH, which is the whole property tax debacle, because the legislature wasn't able to deal with that. And we have challenges Coming from Douglas Bruce again to the ballot measure itself, but we also have beleaguered county clerks who've gotten more assessment protests than ever before. I have heard that. Ed? One
2: of the most important laws that will come out of the 2023 session that's being signed July 1st is House Bill 1246. And this is a law that went directly at industries that had the greatest labor shortage right now. We're talking about nursing, education, law enforcement, fire, uh, and construction. And said, we are going to give free tuition for students who want to get through quick pipelines in these, to credential in them to hurry up and get students into there. This is the example of the state Actually, removing barriers and helping to pay people to get through this—it's—it's. Um, it's, it may seem hard to believe, as we have a 2.8 percent unemployment rate, but so many businesses are hobbled by the inability to find not just workers, but workers whose talents match the needs they have. These are areas where you could go in uh, very precisely and say, "Okay, you could go through a six-month class. You could do this, or you know, if you want to get into the healthcare field, you can start out. You know, get get a quick training and." move your way up. This is a good bipartisan example of what the legislature can do and should serve as an example of what they can do in the future as well. Okay. Adam.
3: Yeah, I want to give sort of an overview and then I'll touch on one bill. So to give people an idea of what we're talking about here with laws sort of coming into effect, uh, 474 new laws from this session, right? Uh, That means 78% of the bills introduced in total became law this year. Uh, That's the highest, uh, second highest percentage in the past 11 years. Uh, If you are a business or trying to operate in the state of Colorado, this is a tsunami of new legislation that you're going to now have to try and get an understanding of. Uh, one good thing I would note that that is going into effect this weekend is the change to the, the motor vehicle theft law, huge issue in Colorado, one of the top states for vehicle theft, uh, now making stricter uh, penalties for those sorts of things. So that's good to see, but we're always keeping our eye on, you know, are 470-something new laws every year necessary? Uh, I would probably say no.
0: Okay. All right. right. Uh, let's go- around the table now with each panelist talking about some of the highs and lows of this week. It can be Colorado-based or something you've seen elsewhere. Patty, let's start with a low
1: so we can end on a high note. Just a reminder that school boards, particularly in Denver and Douglas County, need education in what they should do with open meetings. We have DPS fighting to release records of an open meeting. We have Doug Co. spanked by a judge over their secret meeting to get rid of the superintendent. Just learn what the rules are and behave. Yes,
2: Ed. The battle over the lithium mine in Nevada shows the worst inside-the-box thinking we have. Look, everybody knows we have to move past gas-using vehicles to get forward uh, to lower our emissions. And here is what we have to do. We have to create lithium-ion batteries. And now uh, folks are going in. The federal government is pushing this idea. Yes, we can get a lithium mine that will help us produce these zero-emission vehicles. And the very same environmentalists who said we have to move past gas-guzzling vehicles are saying no. No, we do not want you to open this lithium mine. Look, we have to figure out a way forward. No is not an answer. Okay, Adam.
3: I thought there was interesting coverage from Politico this week about super majorities and super minorities in state legislatures. Uh, there are 29 super majorities in the US controlled by either Dems or Republicans. That's up from 21 just a couple of years ago. Give an idea in Wyoming's legislature, uh, there are two Democrats versus 29 Republicans in their state Senate. There are five Democrats versus 57 Republicans in their House. Uh, the article did not mention Colorado, which is interesting. We have a super majority in our House, very close in the Senate. Um, I just think this dialogue, it really adds to this divisive rhetoric to one party controlling everything, passing everything they want. Uh, it's sort of a troubling trend to me as, as someone working in the policy space, but I just thought it's its not a great trend to see. Mm-hmm.
0: And Amber?
4: completely agree with Adam on that. I think that definitely is a low of the week, and, and it relates to the low I'm going to mention, which is it's another week and the federal government is still not paying their fair share to support our critical infrastructure of election administration, and it's falling to the local clerks and communities and a little bit of the state, but still the federal government is not funding what is critical infrastructure for our nation and the security of it. And this, again, is a very obvious bipartisan effort that, that senators and Congress could come together on, um, and they still continue to not fund and recognize this very significant risk to our critical infrastructure. Okay.
0: Let's now go through and talk about something
1: positive to end the show with. Patty. start. A holiday weekend for so many Mm -hmm. people. Get out and enjoy some of the free stuff in our city and see how Denver is not decaying. Cherry Creek Arts Festival and also Independence Eve in Civic Center Park. They've cleaned the place up. It looks great. Okay, that'll be fun. That'll be really fun.
2: Um, the uh, I want to give a shout, and this is Patty mentioned this to the coalition of news organizations that is fighting to get at what was said in a DPS uh, executive session around school resource officers. It's one thing for the board to say initially we thought this was our you know our purview to talk about this behind closed doors. They lost the case. Now they're they're you know appealing it again, and it really makes you wonder what was said that this board. Four of which I believe are up for re-election in November is trying to hide from the public We need to know this information.
3: Yeah, I I love when our our chamber partners work together. Uh, RTD and Denver International Airport came to an agreement to provide 3,000 employees uh, reduced price eco passes uh, on RTD. I think this is a big deal of helping people get to and from work, opening up employment opportunities at the airport, uh, and helping save people money at a time where we know they need it. So really glad to see that this week. I
4: like that. That's a good one, Amber. So I think uh, I I will say the high for me was the Supreme Court's decision. I think the the other ask I have for the for the public is, this specific Moore versus Harper case was about redistricting, and in Colorado we have an independent redistricting commission. I served on it in 2021, and uh, this affirmed that that type of process is far better than a, a partisan gerrymander uh... behind closed doors lack of transparency type process we just touched on this and frankly i hope every voter every election because school board is also responsible for drawing district lines for what the school boards look like city councils draw local districts for their boundaries. County commissioners have an impact on this statewide. So uh, redistricting matters all up and down the ballot and frankly every time there's an election I would encourage voters to ask the people that are asking for your vote what their thoughts are on that and how they approach that and how they think about transparency when it comes to fairness because voters should be choosing their politicians not the other way around.
0: Okay, thank you. Good. Uh, The highlight for me this week was working outside it's nice to get outside once in a while, isn't it? It's been a great week. On Tuesday, I was on a video shoot at Mother Cabrini Shrine in Golden, and if you're looking for a place not too far from home where you can just escape, I highly recommend to drive up the big hill in Golden. It's peaceful and quiet, except for the birds chirping and the breeze blowing. Uh, I have never seen the hills so green because of all the rain, so I highly recommend going up there, seeing the beautiful poppies before they fade away. It's a great place uh, in Colorado, and as Patty mentions, It's a free visit, so definitely just get out and breathe some fresh air. Thank you all for joining us this week. Thank you for watching at home or on your device. We appreciate it. Uh, You can catch Colorado Inside Out anytime on pbs12.org or YouTube, or listen on our Spotify and Apple podcasts. I'm Kyle Dyer. I will see you here next week on PBS 12. Happy 4th of July, everyone.